It is good to have you here this morning. As always, uh, we believe it's no accident that any of you are here, and it's been such a joy um, the last couple weeks to look out and see so many familiar faces and yet so many new faces and as well. And so I just want you to know, uh, if we haven't made that abundantly clear already, whether this is your first time or your hundredth time, you are welcome here. And we have been praying for you. We've been praying for you and that your heart would be fully engaged today and what God wants to do in our hearts today. We're excited uh, that you're here, and uh, we can't wait to get to know you more. Uh, if you're just getting caught up with us, we've been in uh, the Gospels. We've been in this series called Jesus Stories. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and open up uh, to the Gospel of Luke, uh, where we're going to be today. We've been in this series called Jesus Stories, and hopefully uh, that you are beginning to bring your own Bible. If you don't have a Bible, like we said, grab the one that's under the row. But I hope that Sunday morning isn't the only time that you're cracking open that Bible, is that you've been reading along in these stories with us. And one of the things I love about the Gospels is that we get a glimpse of Jesus' heart and we get an up-close and personal view of what it would be like to follow Jesus. That's what the disciples did. They were apprentices of Jesus. They followed him everywhere that he went. And I pray that as you're reading the Gospels, you're not just doing it for Bible study or doing it to get more information, but that you're falling in love with the person of Jesus. I don't, I don't know how you read the Gospels and not love who Jesus is. Like, just set aside the fact that he's God, which is absolutely incredible, but just as a man, as a human being, who he was, the way he loved people, man, I want to hang out with that guy. So I hope that's your heart as we're going through the Gospels, and that just like his followers in those days, that you are learning how to be a disciple, a follower of his. And essentially, that's what our call is as a church. Every single one of us is to be like the disciples that are following Jesus through the Gospel of Luke and through these other Gospels. Essentially, discipleship is this. If you want to flip your bulletin over, there's a place to take notes. I'm going to give you several big ideas today that I want you to remember, that I want you to jot down. The first one is this, as disciples, we do the practices that Jesus did, Jesus did in order to live the life that Jesus lived. We do the practices that Jesus did in order to live the life that Jesus Lived. And some of you are thinking, okay, the practices of Jesus. If I'm going to be a disciple, I need to, 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 to read the Bible a lot, like, like Jesus did, you know, the, 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 the law. I need to know that. I need to pray a lot. I probably need to spend a lot of time meditating like Jesus did. Uh, I need to grow a really long beard and get some sandals. Ladies, that might be a difficult one for you. Um, so it's got to be more than that, right? Uh, maybe if you're, if you're up for the challenge. But do you know what other practice of Jesus, what thing he did all the time that when we talk about imitating Jesus, we rarely ever talk about? Jesus had this amazing ability to party. We never talk about it. Some of you are like, hey, this is my kind of church. Okay, all right. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how to have a really good party. Think about it. You know the question of the day that we had up in the offering, what is the best party you've ever been to. Just keep it yourself. I want to keep it PG-13 or below here this morning, right? Some of you are thinking, oh, the best party I've ever been to. I probably shouldn't talk about that in church. So just spare me the details. That's great, right? What's the best party you've ever been to? Think a little bit deeper. Don't just go back, oh, you know, those crazy college days. Recently, what's the best shindig? What's the best party? What, maybe it's a wedding reception or a, a graduation party or, or a birthday party, or the, the, the birth of a child, uh, an anniversary celebration, what, whatever it was. Think back in your life 
the biggest, best party you've ever been to. You got that in your head? All right, awesome, thank you. One person's listening, okay. So, <laughs> thank you. So I'm reading through Luke this week, and I'm like, okay, what's Jesus all about? How does he spend his time? And over and over and over again, I'm like, this guy really likes to party. You ever, you know, read the Gospels, and, and, and a lot of times we, we look at the things Jesus said, and that's very, very important, but you ever just read the Gospels and watch what Jesus' rhythm to life, like his lifestyle, how he spent his time? This guy loved to party. You start looking at what the very first miracle Jesus did, he turned water into wine, and that was at a, it's a wedding reception. It was at a party, and then, and then you start reading through the stories again, and Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and he invites uh, he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house for a party. party. Well, tea and crumpets, yep. Uh, over to, to Zacchaeus' house because he likes to party. And then often, all throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is always getting in trouble for hanging out with the Pharisees at a dinner party all over the place. Many of Jesus' parables were at, about parties and dinner engagements, and we see one of those occasions today. So if you have your Bibles at Luke 14... Jesus starts to make this analogy that actually my kingdom, an invitation to my kingdom is like an invitation to a great party or to a great banquet. And you may have noticed that we have quite the banquet set up here today. Ah, that smells really good. This is like real stuff. I'm here. This is, this is real stuff. And I would offer it to you, but it's hard. Okay, so um, it's, it's real food. The cake is good, I think. Uh, Kim let me know, though, that some of this has been out all morning, so you probably don't want to eat it if you're, if you're hungry. But can everybody just go? Everybody go, ooh, uh, just act like you can smell it. Yeah, you've, you've, you've looked at spreads like this before, like, wow, that's amazing. Jesus is telling us that today the kingdom of God is like, hmm. That's the place I want to be. And Jesus says, there is a place for you at this table, at this banquet. Jesus loved to hang out at tables exactly like this. And maybe it didn't look exactly like this, and they probably didn't have chairs from the Annenson dining room. But other than that, um, pretty close. They would recline at tables like this, and they would eat food and have these extravagant parties. And Jesus would hang out at these parties. He's a pretty popular guy, and he never seemed to turn down an invitation. And just to make it clear, the offer today is Jesus is saying, there's a spot for you. Some of you look at this and go, that's beyond me. I'm not worthy of, I can't remember the last party I was invited to. That's just not, I'm I'm not that high class. I'm not at that place in life. Some of you, you get invited to so many parties, you've forgotten the joy of just being invited, of knowing that there is a place for you. And Jesus says, no, not, you're not on a waiting list. I want you to sit at the head of the table. I want you to sit right next to me. Whether it's an invitation to the kingdom, whether it's an invitation into our community here at Hope Des Moines, Jesus says, today there's a place for you. Maybe not physically. Sorry we had to scramble and get some chairs for some of you. But spiritually, in our church family, there's... There's always a spot for you. Jesus is saying, welcome to the banquet. Welcome to the party. And and there's always an empty chair 
for you. When you follow me, when we gather together, when we worship, when you're in community, when you have breakfast. How was breakfast this morning, by the way? Was it good? Good? Whenever you have breakfast, that's the invitation that Jesus is extending to all of us. And the best thing Jesus says is, I'm not just inviting you to the party. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. When you get an invitation to a party, doesn't it make all the difference who's going to be there? That's how you decide whether to go or not, right? Jesus loved party. And he's always going to be sitting there waiting for you. And this goes way beyond food and drink. There's something incredible about a Jesus party. There's a reason that a lot of times at Hope we have this saying, we say, there ain't no party like a Jesus party, right? Let's say it together. There ain't no party like a Jesus. No, I don't believe you. Let me hear it. There ain't no party like a Jesus party, right? And that is so true if you read the Gospels, especially Luke. And so our topic today, I was thinking about this. I was so excited. Sometimes I stand up here and be like, well, our topic today is money. And everybody goes, ugh. Our topic today is sin. Ugh. You know what our topic today is? How to have a kickin' Jesus party. Are you ready? You ready? So let's dig in. Okay. How to have a kickin' Jesus party. Jesus style according to the gospel of Luke. So turn to, turn to uh, Luke chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 12, a little bit before our reading today. I want to set the scene for you. If you can kind of imagine, that's why we had this up here today. Imagine the, a table maybe 10 times the size of this with this huge elaborate spread and, and wines and drinks and, and meats and cheeses. Everybody go, just picture yourself there. That's where Jesus finds himself. He's at the house of a prominent Pharisee for a big banquet, for a big party. And chances are these guys are pretty well-to-do. It's a, it's a fancy house. There's a nice big banquet, a nice big spread. And we know from context that you don't get invited to one of these parties unless you know somebody. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And that was kind of the case in Jesus' day as well. Unless you're elite, unless you meet all the qualifications, and essentially Jesus has walked into a first century holy huddle, which we view a lot of times in negative terms. A bunch of religious people get together doing navel-gazing, thinking how great they are and how great it is that we're invited and you aren't. That's the party that Jesus has walked straight into. And really, they've invited Jesus. If you imagine Jesus sitting here at the table with all these big wigs, these prominent people, and they've essentially invited Jesus in to trap him. It's really a setup. And it says in your, in your passage there, they were watching him closely. They were watching him closely. They, what they did is they brought in, this is so sick, they brought in a, a crippled man, they, they brought in somebody that's been sick for a long time, hoping that Jesus would heal him and so that they could catch him in sin for actually healing on the Sabbath, which according to the Old Testament laws, remember, we can't do anything on the Sabbath. Of course, they were missing the point. But as Jesus sits at the meal, he says, you know what? <laughs> this, uh, this crippled man, this case study, <laughs> this project that you've labeled this person, actually... This sort of setup reminds me a little bit more of where I've come from. This is what it's like in heaven. And then he starts telling them a parable about, get this, about a banquet while he's at a banquet. <laughs> he's being very, very direct and cutting to the chase. He says, you know, the kingdom of God is, is like this. It's like a big banquet and a feast and a party. And when we have these parties, he's looking at all these Pharisees saying, it doesn't look like this at all. 
it looks a lot more like this. This crippled man, this guy that's been sick, that you've not even, not even sitting at the table, he's shoved over there in the corner. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. He's actually rebuking them, saying, the guest list, you guys, you got it all wrong, and said, my kind of parties is where everybody is invited. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how much is in your bank account. It doesn't matter where you live or if you have a place to live. Jesus says, my kind of party is where everybody is welcome. And this case study over here that you brought in for me, this project that you've labeled this person, is actually at my party, he's the guest of honor. So the first thing that we find out about partying Jesus' way is that everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. To that crowd, into that setting, Jesus offers this scandalous challenge. Look at verse 13. This is, this is crazy. He's talking to the host of this party that has invited all the rich, elite people that think they have it all together. Just straight up, looking him right in the eyes and says, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Well, that's a great way to kill a, kill a party, kill the conversation, Jesus. Nice job, right? I can imagine all the, all the know-it-alls they, they have it all together and they're sitting there and they're sipping their wine and enjoying the great party. And Jesus says, this party, it stinks. <laughs> what? What did you just say, Rabbi? I'm saying this whole party, Jesus says, looks nothing like it should. We need more outcasts here. We, we need more people that don't know me here. We, know, we need more people that would be honored to be at a party like this. To that crowd, this is pretty scandalous. And I, I want to just say to you this morning, if you've ever wondered if church can be a safe place for you, <laughs> this story is really good news. It's really good news. Because maybe you're poor, crippled, and lame this morning. guest of honor. But maybe you're not poor, but I'm going to mention some phrases here, and after I mention them, I just want you to say, that's me, and I'll just give you a little heads up. It's for everybody. So after every statement, just yell out, that's me. So let's practice. Are you worshiping in Hope Des Moines today? Okay, you got it. We've done this before. Maybe you're not poor, but have you ever walked in here on a Sunday morning feeling empty or looking for answers? You may not be crippled today, but have you ever walked in here on a Sunday morning feeling like there's weaknesses or limitations in your life that are holding you back? You may not be blind coming to the party today, but have you ever come feeling like you don't know exactly where to go, what path to choose in life? Well, then you're exactly who Jesus is looking to invite to his party. That's you. Yeah. That's you. And the invitation is out there. The reason that Jesus is so confrontational with this elite dinner group is because they're sitting around enjoying their holy huddle when there's people out there who have no opportunity to know what a great party is like. Jesus is saying to these guys, you've forgotten that the point of faith is not to keep it to yourself. 
You've forgotten that the point of faith is not to be comfortable. That when I'm here and when I'm comfortable, now I've arrived and that's the point of Christianity. I hate to burst your bubble, but Jesus didn't come to make you comfortable. He came to transform your life. And sometimes, sometimes that calls us way out of our comfort zone. That's why he came. You've forgotten, Jesus is saying, you've forgotten how incredible it is to be invited. And this feeling, this emotion, this joy of being invited became abundantly clear to me this past year in enemy territory at Hilton Coliseum. Now, I know that all of you Cyclone fans are in a state of mourning. Are you in a state of mourning? Yes. That's, that's me, yeah. Hawkeye fans, you don't have to worry about that. I heard there was a little basketball game this week, and so I wanted to share this story with you Cyclone fans to maybe boost your spirits a little bit. So a couple months ago, well, earlier this year, I scored some free tickets to an Iowa State game. I really debated whether to go. Like, is it even worth it? They have a basketball team in Ames? I don't know. So I get there, I'm in the nosebleed section. I'm in the, I'm in the upper deck. And the first thing I know, I'm kind of looking all around pregame, and then the game starts, and the first thing I notice is that, that, that all the courtside seats, some people aren't even there. Chances are these people are able financially, and that's great, they're able to have those courtside tickets, but half of them are empty to begin with, and then the, the, the people that are there in those courtside seats right next to the action, they have no idea how good they have it. You're at a college basketball game. They're, the, the players are literally right there. Actually, the three-point line right there. They're right there, and they're texting, surfing the web on their phone, and I just wanted to yell down to them, you're missing it! You're missing it! Even at Iowa State game, you're missing it. Now contrast that with my neighbor, with my friend next to me. So <laughs> hundreds Hundreds, thousands of, of, of people there, and there's a guy right next to me up in the nosebleed section. He's all by himself. And I knew that he was excited, not only because he was all decked out in his Iowa State gear, he's all alone, but he's got his headphones on so he can listen. You know, John Walters do the play-by-play, right? And to listen to the radio, he's got his popcorn, he's got his pop, he's got his hot dog and his nachos, and he's just, oh, like, this is the greatest day of my life, right? And he's so excited. And once the game started, he took it to a whole new level. And you would have thought this, he was at the final four instead of like, I think this was a pregame or a preseason game against like middle Tennessee state tech or something like that. Nobody cares about, right? He is like, this is the final four. This is my Super Bowl. Like this is the great, every shot, every play he's into. And, and he, he's on his phone, but he's not texting. I, he's calling his friends and family saying, oh, I wish you were here. Oh man, next time we totally have to come together. Oh man, did you see that? What an amazing dunk. This is, everybody's kind of looking at him like, dude, calm down. It's Middle Tennessee State Tech Department of Natural Resources. I, I don't know. And he's like, did did you see that? And like, Iowa State is up by like 50. And at the end of the game, it's like 90 to 40. And he's on the edge of his seat. Oh man, this is so great. Popcorn, hot dog, pop. He's just loving it. And I'm like, whoa, I got to keep my cool. Because first of all, I have an Iowa State shirt on and I can't get too excited wearing Cardinal and Golds. So I'm like, not going to be anything like that. I'm like, I have to meet this guy. So the game gets done and I go over and um, his name wasn't Randy, but we'll call him Randy. And I, I introduce myself and I say, dude, tell me your story. And to summarize it, he said, 
well, John, I, I've been a Cyclone fan my whole life. And I, I watch every game on TV. But I've never been able to come to a game. And recently my family fell on some tough times and I had to uh, move in with my sister who's not doing so well either and, and so funds are pretty tight. But the rest of my family all pooled together and for Christmas they got me a ticket to this Iowa State game. And I don't care if I'm in the nosebleed section. I got a front row seat at the party. And he said, I've been looking forward to this for months. And I said, well, not the best seats, huh? And he said, it doesn't matter. It's just a privilege to be here. I wouldn't have missed this for the world. And of course, I'm looking at our story this week about the banquet. I'm thinking about that story and something in it just gripped my heart and it felt like Jesus said, remember Randy? Those are the kind of people I love to party with. The ones who know that they don't deserve to be there. But by God's grace, they're there and they're going to enjoy every minute of it. What if we saw the invitation to follow Jesus and to worship every single week with Randy's posture is when you walk through those doors, wow, I can't believe I get to be here. I get to worship at Lutheran Church of Hope. Wow. This is the best seat in the world. Oh, wow. I'm not suggesting this, but... Get on your phone. Call your friends and family. You got to come. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. You got to see what God's going to do next. Or is it just kind of the religious thing that you do on Sundays? I wouldn't miss this for anything. That's the first thing we notice about Jesus' parties. Everybody's welcome. But unfortunately, it doesn't end there. The second thing that we discover about Jesus' party is, if you read the story, not everybody accepts the invitation. Just as there's empty seats courtside at Hilton, Jesus has made the invitation, but there's some empty seats at the table today. Look at the story. The, the story continues. Look at verse 18. The, the, what happens is all those who actually RSVP'd, they said that they're coming to the party. They start to make excuses to the party of the century. And here's Jesus again in his witty, I think I can say this, sassy sense of humor. Look at this. Jesus comes up with some examples of the lamest excuses in the book. Okay, let's look at these together, right? Verse 18. So these are all high, elite, prominent people that always get invited to parties. Jesus has sent out the invitation, and here's the responses that they give. Verse 18. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go see it. Now, think about that for a second. Is the field going to get a pair of legs and walk away while you're at the party? No! Lame excuse. Verse 19. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Who passes, passes up a free party and feast to go hang out with your livestock? Everybody say lame. Lame. Verse 20, still another said, this, <laughs> boy, Jesus is really pulling out all the stops with his sassiness here, right? Verse 20, still another said, 
I just got married, so I can't. Don't the ladies always get in the way? I tell you what, I'm just kidding. I just got married. Jesus pulled out as much sass on that one as he could because we all know that the ladies, ladies, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the ladies really hate to get all dressed up and go to free parties and eat lots of great food and have to interact with lots of other great people. I know my wife would just hate that. Everybody say lame-o. Lame excuses. And we laugh and we shake our heads and we say, oh man, lame excuses. I can't believe that you're missing out. That's your excuse? But I wonder when it comes to being all in with Jesus today, when it comes to accepting his invitation to join him here in worship every single week, we've got some modern day lame-o excuses as well. And don't get me wrong, Jesus isn't coming up with this list of lame excuses to guilt or to shame us. He's saying just when compared with having a personal experience with your family, with the God of the universe every single week, they're lame. I'm not guilting you. I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying, look at the opportunity that you have. And it pales in comparison. Maybe like the man who was busy buying his land for you, it's busyness. Maybe like the man who just got married for you, it's just it's your season of life. That's your RSVP excuse. Maybe for you it's complacency. I, and I'm not really sure God has anything to offer me anymore. I, I'm good. <laughs> and whatever it is, I just have this picture a few chapters before of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus being with him, enjoying his presence while Martha is running around <laughs> cleaning and making sure everything's ready and going about all the distractions and all the other priorities that crowd out Jesus. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. One thing that matters, Jesus says, be with me. Remember the Sabbath day. Worship me weekly. Your presence here is important to me. Be with me. What's the one thing in your life that is non-negotiable? What is the one thing in your week that you're going to build everything else in your life around? Jesus says, Am I the one and only in your life, or am I just one among many? Jesus says, don't miss the party. Don't miss the party. And yet, what you may not know, or what often makes a kick in Jesus' party, everybody's welcome. Well, not everybody accepts the invitation, but what we often overlook is that in order to make the invitation, the best part of this story, the best role, I think, is the role of the servant who gets to go out and, and find all these people and say, you're invited. Really? Yes, you. Me? Yes, you. You're invited. The joy, the, the celebration that he gets. And, and, and just like we get to do each week, he searched far and wide for those to invite because at Jesus' parties. Those who have experienced it don't just stay at the end of the party. They're gone because they're going to go find other people that need to be invited. And for sometimes that call for us is across the street, across our cubicle, or for some across the world. 
And no one knows that better than I think the best illustration of going to the ends of the earth to recruit for Jesus' party than our very own Steph Schmaltz, who happens to be here today as one of our very first Hope Des Moines missionaries. So Steph, why don't you come on up? Welcome Steph up. You got that microphone for Oh, yep, there it is. Awesome. So everybody say hi, Steph. Hi, everyone. It's, so good to see you. It's like special guest day today at Hope Des Moines. So we're talking about inviting people to this party. And, uh, oh, by, Steph, by the way, congrats on winning the longest distance travel award Ooh, yeah. today. Took How many long. hours from uh, Cambodia? 27 hours. Anybody? 27 hours to be here today? Okay, I think Steph wins. <laughs> nice job. Um, for those of you that don't know Steph, this is Steph Schmaltz, and she was a part of really getting this entire church started. Steph was here before I was. Um, probably even had the guts to hire a 25-year-old punk kid to lead this church or something like that. But uh, Steph was on the launch team. She spent a lot of time here in Des Moines, been very active with uh, InterVarsity Ministry at, at Drake, um, and uh, had the courage to be a part of the launch team for Hope Des Moines to start something new here in the city. And then several years ago, Steph felt this call that other people need to be invited to the party, that it's not just here in Iowa, it's just not in the United States, there's people all over the world that have no idea what it looks like to experience the joy of that. And so we're going to just take a look at a really quick part of a video that Steph and her team made just to kind of set up her work and give you a glimpse of what Steph has been doing in the country of Cambodia. So let's take a look. Awesome. Yeah. How about that? Who would have thought that uh, Hope Des Moines would be having an impact literally across the world through you. Uh, but I know some people here know you, some people don't know you, but for those who are new, um, you're, you're an Iowa girl, you're, you're here, uh, and a lot of times we look at missionaries and go, ooh, they're holy and amazing, which you are. Well, I don't know. <laughs> right. What, what led you, we're talking about going and being sent today to invite people to Jesus' party, what, what led you to do that? What, what did God do in your heart to become a full-time missionary? So I started working um, with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship right after I graduated from the university. And I, I just love university students. It's just this time in your life where I feel like you're learning really who you are. Um, and to be able to ask real questions about what it means to follow the Lord as well. So I've always just kind of felt this call to be with students. Um, but one of the things I loved about that too is taking students off the campus and just seeing how big God can be throughout the world and how he transcends cultures and brings everyone together. So some of my favorite things I got to do when I was uh, in staff here in the U.S. was to take students overseas. And it's just a real privilege to be able to go to a country to help them see Jesus in a new way and to come back. Um, but there grew this like dissatisfaction in my heart of going and coming back and going and coming back. Um, and part of my role has just kind of changed within our varsity. And um, we're part of a larger organization called IFES. And so the, that hope is to have a university ministry in every country in the world. Hmm. And there's uh, 16 countries left in the world where there wasn't one. And Cambodia was one. So uh, we went on this exploratory trip. And got there, and, I, and oh, God just changed my heart. And he's like, this is, this is the next place that I want you to go, and I want you to be able to help to bring the gospel to the university students in this country. Yeah, so it seems like for you it was much less about mission projects are good, mission trips are good, but after you did that for a while, God starts to break your heart for a certain group of people. Yeah, and just like we have planted ourselves here in the city, you're like, 
we're not going to leave. Like, right. you, we're not... Mm-hmm. We're not going to leave. And so I know for you, again, we put missionaries up on this pedestal like, man, you can hear from God and it was all clear and everything was great. You had some fears and some doubts about this whole, you had some obstacles. Um, God might have called them lame excuses. I don't know. Like we just talked about lame excuses. Um, what, what were some of the barriers for you? Because I know there's a lot of us sitting out here today going, I'm never going to be a missionary, right? So what is this? What does this look like for me? But what are some of maybe the excuses or the barriers that you had to work through to say, I'm going to be there for whoever knows how many years. It's not just a mission trip. What were some of those excuses uh, that you had to work through? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Jesus would say they're lame, right? <laughs> but I think we all have them. And it's, it's okay to like actually experience those and to have them. And to say, like, oh, when you're called to some place, those fears and those excuses go away. It's not, it's not the case, but it's more of, am I going to actually let God into those places of fear and distrust and all of this and let him work through me in the midst of those? So I think for me, like, sometimes I, I think about following Jesus as like being on like the high trapeze in the circus, mm. right? We're like, okay, at one point you're going to jump off and you're going to catch, you're going to catch his arms. But I think what was going on for me is that I, I was doing that, but we had these nets underneath mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, if I miss, I at least have like my language, I have my culture, <laughs> I have like a great church family, I have these places that I can, if I fall, I'm going to fall into some places. Mm-hmm. But I felt God challenging me as like, will you still reach out for me if you don't have those things underneath? Yeah. And it was like, I want you to jump and I want you to, mm-hmm. to know that I'm going to catch you and that those things aren't your identity, but it's holding on to me. Yeah. That's what it means. Needless to say, this was way out of your comfort zone. Way out. Like staying in Des Moines, cheering for the Cyclones would be a lot easier oh, yes, uh, so for much you easier. than not a lot of clone fans in Cambodia. Um, trying to bring that there. Trying to bring that there, yeah. So we are seeking to become a church that thinks like missionaries here in Des Moines. So I thought, who better to ask about having that mindset of everywhere I go, I'm thinking there's an empty chair at the table. Like everywhere I go, we want to be thinking here in Des Moines, what does it look like to get outside of our comfort zones and to, to think like a missionary? So what, what are a couple ideas or, or pieces of wisdom that you can give us that you've learned about being in a totally different culture, but doing the same thing, trying to reach a group of people that you've been called to? Yeah, I think, I think the, the first thing is like, we never go as experts. Right, like to think that, okay, if I have this calling, then I'm going to know how to do it, and God's going to do it. And yes, he's going, to, he's going to reach you in those things, but first is just being willing and being open and being ready to just have a relationship with somebody. It's not that you have to have this like three-point plan of how it's all going to work out, but it's just being open and willing to go. I think that's like the, the, the first thing that's really helpful. Yeah. I, think, I think the other thing is we all end up giving our lives to something, so whether we uh, acknowledge that or feel it, right, it's like maybe it's, maybe it's our job or who, who knows what it is, but we all give our life to something. Mm-hmm. And there's this, there's this quote from this missionary that went, and he says, he is no fool that gives up uh, what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And it feels at some point like uh, I could hold on to my comforts, and that could be the thing that uh, I give my life to. But man, I would... I would much rather see somebody at that table. So, like, mm-hmm. even you guys just seen those students there. Like, uh, Chamron was the first one on there. He's the first local staff for 
for Cambodia. I'm like, oh, you guys get to see him. He's going to be at the party someday. <laughs> and he's going to help other students be at that party. Like, uh, I want to give my life to seeing that happen. Yeah. So I think just, yeah, being open and saying, okay, God, you're going to help and you're going to do it. But yeah. man, it's the privilege of getting to see that happen. Yeah. That's awesome. And Steph, we want to thank you for following the call and for being obedient. And we know that your greatest desire is to not be the token missionary that comes in and we all look at you and go, wow, I'll never do that. But I know that the deepest desire of your heart is for every single one of us to leave here today and say, I'm a missionary. Wherever God has, has called me. And I know that that's your heart. And so thank you for letting God use you in that way and for being an inspiration uh, to us. So, could, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steph's got much more to share. She's going to be out in the cafeteria, and she's got some uh, stuff out there that she can show you. If you'd like to support her uh, or pray for her, she'll be out there. Um, So swing down to the cafeteria on your way out. But um, can we just pray for Steph and just reach out our hands, uh, if you would, uh, in prayer, uh, as if we're laying hands on her, and let's let's pray for Steph. God, we thank you so much uh, for the ministry of IFES and that you've called Steph. God, thank you for who she is and the example that she is that... um, When we start to have your heart inside of us, our heart breaks for people that don't know you, whether they're on the other side of the world or whether they're here in the city. And so, God, we just thank you that you brought Steph back here safely uh, for a little while to the United States, and I pray that when she goes back, that she will go back with the strength and the, God, the spirit and and the the knowledge that there is a church family that believes in her. that is supporting her, that is praying for her. Uh, And Holy Spirit, would you give Steph everything that she needs um, to do what you've called her to do, to make disciples uh, around the world. God, we love you, and we thank you for the call uh, to get out of our comfort zones today and invite people to the party. And we pray it all in your name. Amen. Amen. Give God praise for Steph one more time. And so here's why I love the fact that Steph was here today, that there's people who belong at that table in Cambodia, and there's people who belong at that table here in Des Moines. Inviting requires us to go. And so my closing question for us this morning is, who's waiting for the invitation from you? I, uh, you know, when I hear Steph talk about the people that she knows there. Um, there's a sort of a kindred spirit because I don't know about you, but when I drive around our city, particularly this na- neighborhood and the, the neighborhood down where we're going on Ingersoll, I, um, I just see people that need that hope. And I think about us and somebody invited you. And that's the reason that you're here today. And so there's an empty seat at the table. And so your next step today might be finding your way to that party yourself. And once you found your way there and your life has been changed and transformed, as I know that those of you sitting here, it has been, oh, you can't keep it to yourself.
because there's a whole lot of Randys, like my friend at the, at the game. There's a whole lot of Randys out there in Des Moines, Iowa that say, I would love the chance to be a part of a community like this. And I'm just waiting for that invitation. I'm just waiting to find my place at the table. I, I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to tell me that there is a God who loves me. And so what is your next step today? There's Easter postcards on your chair. It's never too early to think about who you're going to invite to Easter. Who are you going to invite into your life, into your home? There's a reason that some of our life groups, I encourage them, you always leave an empty chair at your life group as a visible reminder that there's always one more. There's always one more. What's your next step? Who is God calling you to invite into your life, into your group, into our community here? What if every single one of us reached one? Boy, now that would be a party. Jesus saying, don't miss it. My friend Randy says, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. May that be our hearts. May that be our posture when we walk in here every single week. Wow. What a party. That's you. Because there ain't no party like a Jesus party. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray.